There was a sense of needing to shake things up. So that's what we literally physically did. One of the challenges as a couple is convincing investors that couples make good founders. Got married and then we had the family before we then joined together in the company. I think that's really helped us. We do go home and think about work all the time. The secret of working together as a couple is that you just can be honest to each other. Fun, work, pleasure, life. We just throw it all in one big pot. I'm Trisha Bacon and I am very excited to be sharing our second series of Between the Spreadsheets, a selection of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples who live together and run a business together. And with millions of couplepreneurs across the globe, we know this is definitely a thing. It's also been really insightful, heartwarming and inspiring to be able to spend time with the couples and to have an opportunity to share their stories. Busting open the myths that exist around couples in business and finding out what it's really like to be a couplepreneur and just how they juggle and integrate work, life, love and everything in between. I love knowing that, that it's her who I trust or at the end of the day who's looking for the same things and ultimately we're building it together. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think we've gone so far down this road of working together. We've learned the ins and outs of each other's habits, personalities and skill sets that um, at this point I think it wouldn't have worked if it was with anyone else's business. In this episode, we meet Slisha Kankaria and Anub Shah from With Clarity in New York. They met in 2013 and have gone on to create the business together, where they are disrupting the engagement ring business, and it is totally fascinating. But whilst they were building a future together and they had the same goals, they experienced so many challenges that they almost stopped before they really got started. They share a big challenge with us around convincing investors that couples make good founders and they tell us how they address this and what happened next, busting open the myths around investing in couplepreneurs indeed. With Clarity, were recently voted the 18th fastest growing company in the US by Inc. magazine and number three in New York City by Keynes New York Business Fast 50 list. This is phenomenal growth in such a short period of time. So a huge welcome to Slisha and Anub to Between the Spreadsheets. And we kick off with Anub telling us how With Clarity is the only online engagement ring company that enables customers to experience their favourite engagement ring styles through a free 3D printed home preview. So whether they're shopping alone or as a couple, They can try before they buy and ultimately make a confident buying decision. We literally will send customers 3D printed replicas that look, touch, see, and feel exactly like the real ring would so they can make that confident decision. So we sold our first engagement ring to the first couple back in 2015. We started the business in New York where Slisha and I met, fell in love, decided to become life and business partners. Okay. And um, and out of interest, who was the first couple? Was that a, a massive thing for them to kind of in, embark on? You know, how did you feel when that happened? I just remember this amazing feeling of being so excited, elated, just almost the biggest accomplishment we had achieved together as you know professional co-founders was the fact that somebody actually entrusted us with one of the biggest moments of their life. That's so exciting. But I'm just going to take you back to kind of pre-being a couplepreneur, pre-with clarity, if that is possible to even think about. And tell me more about where you met and and when that was. We actually met through a family who introduced us and thought we might be a good match together. And uh, lo and behold, they were correct. Uh, We met and within the span of maybe a month and a half, we actually decided that uh, we wanted to take the next step and get engaged. It was was very quick and it was very, um, very sure from the beginning. And, you know, it's been a good decision that actually was the right one. So from the very beginning, we knew it was meant to be. And from my perspective, I, you know, it's, it's funny, we probably had a courtship period that lasted about seven weeks where we were seeing each other. And I remember picking a restaurant that was close enough to the office that I could get back fast because I didn't, you know, I didn't really think something would come of this. And nobody really goes in with that attitude, uh, you know, on a, on a blind date effectively. 
And it was, I, I remember, Slisha, I think we were sitting there at lunch and no one was in that room and we were there for a solid three hours. Yeah, three hours. <laughs> so you were, you were introduced by, by who? By family or friends or...? Yeah, that's right. I think uh, Slisha had an aunt who was friendly with my mother and it was, you know, as traditional as tradition gets yes. in terms of our, our, our meeting and our, our eventual marriage. And so, so, within, so you were engaged within six weeks? Yeah, literally it was just that, that short of a period. Wow. And then, and, and when was this? This was back in 2013. So it was a, a little while ago, at the end of 2013. I remember that our families were getting together in a very traditional ceremony uh, over the course of a few days, and I didn't have a lot of time to put a ring together, but I did have a background from this industry. My family is from this industry. So ultimately, I remember kind of looking at the store model, looking online, seeing what options are available, how to design, and it was just very daunting as an experience, the whole task. And I just put myself in the shoes of somebody who didn't, quote unquote, know a guy or have somebody available that they could just consult. And that is what eventually sparked the idea for the business itself. But, you know, I, I put together a design, a ring. I asked for some advice from her sister, from my sister, from other influencers. And effectively, I, the, you know, I went to Slisha. We had this joke that uh, during that time that we were seeing each other, I was traveling a lot. And I would joke around saying that, you know, I, I'd love to come see you. And, and even if I had to, you know, come through your the middle of the night come through your window to come see you, I would do that. And she would joke around and say, you would never do that, but that's great and sweet. So the night of, I end up traveling down to New Jersey to see her about an hour and a half away, uh, bring my family along. We are very big family people. So her father actually put a ladder, and I'm terrified of heights, mind you, put a ladder on the side of her house, and I climbed to the second story of her window and knocked on the window <laughs> and she came to the wrong window at first <laughs> but uh, ultimately realized that I was standing over there and I uh, that's how I proposed wow and were the family below the family were all below <laughs> and then then after you know she said yes I said okay can I climb down now and I very <laughs> carefully made my way down and then I saw her uh, at the bottom at the base of the house that's pretty astounding and, and what and how did you feel about this Slisha? Um, so I was, of course, very surprised. I was very wowed by the entire idea, the proposal, the involvement of the entire family to make it happen. So it was one of the most special and exciting days of my life. And, uh, of course, an amazing memory that we'll always have. And I'm, um, you know, I'm so excited to, you know, continue on this journey with Anu, both as a business partner and as a life partner. I think that was a really special and exciting start to our journey. Yeah, at that moment, I don't think we knew that we were actually going to be more than romantically involved and uh, the business wasn't quite there. Mm, okay, so so I, I just have to ask, how many family members were at the bottom of the ladder? <laughs> I had all my siblings. There was about four of us there yeah. and then there were, um, I guess, your siblings and all. There was another six of you there or so. Right. So it was a nice big group. Wow, that's incredible. And interestingly, you were saying, because um, I was just going to come on to say, you know, at that point, could you have envisaged, uh, looking back, that could you have imagined working together? It sounds like the answer to that is no, but, but tell me more about that. I just remember that during my proposal, there was one, there was one kind of line about, you know, I'm going to take you on this roller coaster of life if you'll join me. And... You know, I don't think Slisha took it so literally, but who knew it was foreshadowing what the roller coaster of us, you know, even working together would be like. And and when did you get married? So we ended up getting married in 2013, just at the end of 2013, uh, just creeping into 2014. And uh, we had this this Asian wedding in Thailand. It was uh, just amazing to see so many of our friends and family and loved ones come out to join us and celebrate. And we have a connection, a special connection there. My mom's sister lives there, and we just uh, are obsessed with Thai culture, the food, everything. And so it was just this fairy tale type of experience for us. And in terms of work, tell us what you were doing before. I know you know your family is in jewelry or gemstones. Tell us more about that and, and both of you and what you were doing. Yeah, before with Clarity came along. Sure. So I was actually 
initially involved in the world of finance. I was in institutional equities trading and sales. Ultimately, I pivoted into diamond cutting. I do have a family of generational experience with diamonds. So uh, ultimately, my father is in the diamond business. His father was in the diamond business. So I said, let's take that leap of faith and give it a shot. Let's see what the industry is about. So I actually had just before, you know, proposing to Slisha, gone to India to go learn how to cut and polish diamonds. And when I had come back, that's where I started trying to find my footing within this industry and see what the opportunities were that existed. You know, I didn't, wasn't necessarily looking at this particular space, but just overall understanding the supply chain, the industry, and just the core economics of the business. And Slisha was kind of doing something slightly related. So I had always been interested in the field of marketing, and that's what I studied. Uh, Post-graduating, I worked uh, for a little while at The Knot, which is the largest wedding resource and, uh, at the time, e-commerce site for wedding-related products in the United States. And there I was doing a variety of different marketing-related roles within this wedding space, so kind of understanding the mindset of the customer when they're going through this big, important life change and milestone. Um, so it was an interesting segue into working in the engagement ring space and, funnily enough, also an uh, interesting place to work while I was planning my own wedding. Mm, gosh, I bet, yeah. And Anup, you were, you were just saying that, obviously, you were in finance, but, but just what was the change? I mean, obviously, the family were, you know, had the background, but what, what was that kind of moment where you decided, I'm going to go off to India and, and learn this trade more? <laughs> well, that actually wasn't my choosing, the, mm. uh, the training process. But the pivot into the industry was something that I thought, you know, I wanted to sort of pay homage to my uh, my grandfather, my father, sort of the generational experience that was created and ultimately what they had built for us and what I had been around growing up. You know, when I was growing up, I uh, would come to the city, to 47th Street, the Diamond District in New York City, and walk through the, the, the hallways, the offices, see just this old experience that is so different than any other street in New York City, and it was just mind-blowing mm-hmm. to, to hear the vendors outside trying to pull people in, telling that they sell cash for gold and it just if you put yourself in that position it's just lights and sirens and undercover agents and FBI and at the same time it's you know diamond dealers and all sorts of cultures and languages it was just an amazing mm. amazing uh, blend uh, melting pot effectively and I you know initially I told myself I'll never do anything in this industry just because it was almost too close to home and re- in reality I received my calling and I that was a great opportunity for me to try it. Okay, so the, so the calling was from where then? Well, my father had spent some time in this business and uh, you know he was looking at what the future of it was. I genuinely found that there was a lot of disruption happening, not only to his business, mm. but just overall in terms of changing consumer behavior. And layer by layer of supply chain was being disrupted, whether it was this industry or others. This concept of direct-to-consumer was becoming very real and very cross-applicable. And that's where, you know, I, I sort of talked to him and we reflected on the fact that what is this industry going to look like in the next five years, 10 years, and can we help shape it? And that's ultimately where I said, yeah, you know, I, don't, I may not have the answer today, but if I have the right resources and tools, I may be able to find that answer. Okay. So you go out to India. Mm-hmm. What, what happens there in terms of in starting up the business and how long are you there? And, and tell, us, tell us more about that. What happens? Yeah. I was there about eight months and it was, uh, needless to say, a culture shock. It was difficult in the sense of, you know, part of the time I was in South India, a place where I don't speak the language. I was sitting in a factory of 5,000 individuals, uh, predominantly women actually. It was so amazing that to see just in terms of the South particularly, it's uh, more female dominated in terms of the workforce and professional skills. So it was just such a unique experience for me to learn that way. And just to see, you know, how to cut diamonds, what the process is, how much technology actually goes into it. I went in thinking that it's just pure art, where someone picks up a rock, looks at it at a few angles and says, this is what's going to come out of it. But it's not that. There's so much machinery, equipment, operations, technology, and that was what was so fascinating for me. So apart from the cultural experience, it was the professional learning that I just didn't realize existed. Mm. And and had you gone out... I mean, obviously, you, you were saying that you were talking to your father about the disruption and what, what's this industry look like in five or ten years' time. But did you have in your mind at that point, I'm going out to learn this trade and I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to 
disrupt this marketplace and become a couplepreneur or where where were you at then <laughs> and then you know and then and then how did the journey kind of unfold yeah. when when you returned eight months later i went in with a very open mindset saying let's just find a space and try to carve out a niche that ultimately could exist i never thought what we could become or what we could create or what we could you know retail was far from for my thought process, I thought I was going to learn how to manufacture the product and do it at the top of the supply chain. And ultimately, I ended up in a space where we could play in all the areas and become direct to consumer. So, you know, certainly not a couplepreneur. I did, hadn't even known Slisha at that point, and certainly not uh, anything beyond that. It was just simply, let's absorb, be a sponge, and then we'll figure it out as we go. Mm. So, so when was this that you went to India? This was in 2013, the beginning of 2013. It was a big year. (laughs) It was a big year. Gosh, none of you seem to do it by halves, I have to say. So it it takes a certain type of um, couple to do this. So so tell us then, um, obviously, you know, you get married um, and then you're, you're both kind of doing kind of your separate things. Tell us more about how the business therefore started up and when and when that was. Sure. So right in the beginning of 2014 was essentially when we started, I started kind of theorizing as I was learning the trade, having this idea that today's shopping experience and the way I reflected on my own was not something that's optimal. The in-store experience was overpriced, had limited selection options, and ultimately wasn't the way that a millennial wants to shop. It was all these salespeople and just uncomfortable. But then the online experience was one where I couldn't convince myself that that was the way to do it because it's felt so impersonal and detached. And that's where the idea started effectively brewing for this. And at that time, I knew Slisha was at the knot and I, you know, had already just proposed to her and we had just gotten married. And I said, hey, you know, what if we did this together? You have a certain skill set. You know how to understand digital marketing, acquire customers, do these things, get into the psyche of the customer. I can manufacture the product. I can bring the technology component in. We can blend the two worlds together to create the perfect marriage of online and offline. And that's effectively what gave rise to the company and the idea. Mm. So you incorporate the business. When? When did it start? So we incorporated the business in 2014. Uh It was called Formine, actually. That was initially when we launched the company. It was our proof of concept. And then we we did rebrand to With Clarity as part of uh, creating more transparency into our mission, our vision, who we are, and and how we present ourselves. Okay. But ultimately, that's how we started. And where did it start? Because obviously, you're, you're kind of 3D printing. Give us a, a view of, of what was happening. And, and it was just the two of you, was it, when you started out? So initially, we did start out with just the two of us. We actually didn't even have two desks. We shared a single desk. We sat side by side, very, very close to each other. So we could <laughs> share ideas, uh, see you know what the other one was working on, track progress for the company. And we worked on literally every piece of building the company together from figuring out product selection to website design to different marketing strategies, sourcing and supply, even packing the boxes that were going out to the customers in the early days. Um, you know, everything from start to finish, we did it ourselves. Eventually, we were fortunate enough to build out a really valuable and amazing team that helps us to achieve our collective goal as a company together and, you know, keeps the passion for this for this business alive. And in the beginning, like I said, we were doing everything ourselves here in New York City in the Diamond District, which is kind of a hub of jewelry and diamonds um, within the city. So we were lucky to be based out of uh, this area so we could learn from, you know, folks around us. We could be involved and active Uh, whether it came to setting the supply chain and all the other valuable and important pieces of this business. And we're still located here in the Diamond District. Um, It's just our team has definitely grown. Our office space has grown, fortunately. So we each have our own desks now, which is great. Um, But we, again, you know, we're a very collaborative, open team, and we work together basically on all projects to date. We're very involved still with uh, every aspect of the business. And how big are you in terms of people? Yeah, so we have a, a team of 14 people, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's amazing that just with 14 people, we were able to create an engine that could service so many customers and, you know, over 15,000 happy couples here in the United States. 15,000? Yeah. Okay, in in kind of the five years you've been going. Yeah, so we actually, while well, we incorporated the company in 2014, we actually ended up launching it sometime early to mid-2015 
And I remember just kind of the hardship that Slisha and I went through, where at one point we almost shut down before we started up. We were working on basically building the Formine brand, the site design, all the technical components. And, you know, we just didn't have the know-how, the technical know-how, and just mistake after mistake, which is, I think, what a lot of founders do. But we learned a lot from that. And, you know, after a while, we started asking ourselves, because, you know, once we got the site going and then the marketing component and the amount of financial commitment, we were wondering, you know, is this, can we actually prove out the model? Is this going to work? And where are we going to find the capital? How are we going to do this? And is this really how we want to set up our future? And so, and when you were asking yourselves those things, and you said, you know, we almost shut down before we got going, what, what was it? Well, I suppose, what was going through both your minds? Because there is a, you know, I have a view and I, and this is because I see it from people around the globe that I talk to and I interview and that I meet, um, that I believe that couplepreneurs are stronger together and um, you have these incredible complementary skill sets and you've created a life partner so you understand each other and you've got each other's backs in, in a way that I think two co-founders have, but it's in a different way because you are kind of in love and in business together. So I suppose my, my question is, when that was happening and you were having those moments or those days or, or or over the time period that happened, what was going on for both of you and and what enabled you to push forward and to, you know, turn it into the nineteen million pound million dollar business that it is today? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think it was just, you know, understanding and adapting to what the business required the time commitment, the technical commitment, the professional commitment, and then balancing our personal life, the stress of it, and really deciding, is it for us? But the one thing I think we did was we said, no matter what we decide, we're going to do it together. Because ultimately, we're building towards that future together. We're building towards the same goals. And that, to date, is how we're able to make this work, is understanding that we both are on the same page, no matter what happens. Because the goals are common. Yeah. And and how was that time for you, Salisha? Obviously, uh, as I'm sure you know, for any entrepreneur, uh, stress is part and parcel of the package. Uh, you go through it from, on a variety of levels, on a daily basis, on a macro level, micro level. And it amplifies a little bit when you're working with your partner, because not only are you trying to balance um, setting up a life together, but it, it's also the business. And they kind of tie into each other. The success of both, you know, is dependent on the other So, you know, we definitely had to learn how to balance that stress and work together and be sources of strength and push each other to reach higher and work harder in a positive way, which I think we've achieved. And, you know, that's helped us to thrive. That's helped us to grow the business and actually get over the many challenges that we've come across and still come across to this date. So it's been an amazing learning experience from a personal standpoint, but also uh, from a professional standpoint. And given that, um, and, and again, you aren't alone in this at all, but given that you you met, you know, in 13 and, and then got married um, pretty quickly and then, you know, have set up the business again pretty quickly, but, but clearly knew within six weeks you wanted to spend the rest of your lives together. So <laughs> you're not slow at deciding, at making decisions. But also that's, it's a relatively short period of time to be together and to know each other. So I suppose a, a question is, what is the biggest, you know, learning or insight that you have from working with one another? You know, particularly you've come together in terms of a relationship and a marriage a year or so before you decided to kind of embark on the business together. So I would say opposites really do attract. I think Slisha and I are each other's yin yang. I think it's... Uh, it's a very interesting relationship and balance that we have where we're able to make it work because we don't need to always be on the same page. I didn't marry myself. I married Slisha and and a lot of that has, and I started a business with not myself. I started it with Slisha. And that is what's very important and a reminder every day that, you know, where I'm the giddy, emotional passion of the story, she's grounded, uh, thinks through the ideas, calculates out the risks in a certain variety of ways. And that helps us move forward and make faster, more calculated strategic decisions, whether it's in life or in business, rather than just, you know, jumping in one direction or another or flip-flopping too quickly. 
And, and what are your roles kind of within the business, like translating from the giddy person that, um, that Anup's just told us he is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, the storyteller and CEO of the company, uh, one of the co-founders, and Slisha. And I'm the CMO, so I handle kind of all the marketing pieces, the nitty gritty of how we get in front of customers, how we get them excited about who we are, our product is, and our experience. And of the 14 people, is there a board or, um, or how, how do things work and, and, and how have you funded the business so far? So we have a board of directors that consists of five individuals uh, made up of a combination of independent and investors. Mm-hmm. We've actually funded the company through venture capital, prominent venture capital investors who run funds that support technology-enabled or technology-driven companies like ours. They have been extremely valuable in terms of driving the ideas, the strategy, giving us the opportunity to sort of scale the business, take the risks on that we otherwise wouldn't, potentially with our own capital. And ultimately, I'll tell you, one of the challenges as a couple is convincing investors that couples make good founders. Because one of the primary concerns that investors have is, hmm, a husband and wife team, can they make it work? Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest myths, actually, and it's really interesting that you bring that up because I was presenting at a conference last year and it was a panel discussion around being in business with your partner and somebody in the audience said, you know, how do we get over this whole stigma about telling people that, you know, we're partners? You know, people have been told, don't tell the investors that you're married or don't tell them that you're together. Whereas, you know, for me, when I see all of you, it's an absolute strength. It's part of what makes the business work, as you've both just outlined, you know, being that yin and yang and understanding that, you know, from the CMO to the CEO, how that comes together. Yeah, so we were asked this question almost every meeting from the day that we entered a tech accelerator program all the way through every round of capital we've raised to fund the business. The way to address it is to address it up front. It's not to hide behind certain roles. And because, it, like you said, Patricia, it's a strength. It's not a weakness. It's something we're actually proud of. And if anything, it's more of a reason we're able to make it work and able to scale up effectively. We separate our roles and responsibilities. We understand what our professional obligations are. We've set up even, for example, our ownership structures, our cap tables in ways that protect the company and understand the goals of the company and the stakeholders. And I think people see that as a sense of maturity. They see that we've taken the proper precautions and steps to actually ensure the success of the company first, even above the relationship. I think that that has a lot to do with showing, like I said, the maturity of how we can make it work. Yeah, it's changing. I spend a lot of time with investors and it's definitely changing. And again, I was at a dinner uh, recently and there was an investor that was presenting and when we went around the table and we said what we all did there's a, a sense of it's very black and white with couplepreneurs and the people around the table who weren't couplepreneurs would sort of start smiling when I said what I do and I could see on their faces whether or not you know they could do it or they couldn't do it because there's this sort of you know why would you do that how do people make this happen you know surely you know you're spending all your time mediating with these people Trisha and I'm, I'm just saying well actually I, I've never had to mediate it takes a certain dynamic to be able to do it and often there are children and I know that you've got your you know 15 month year old daughter and you know that's all thrown into the mix as well but it is extraordinary just how it does work and, and I suppose my my view is that If an investor is coming to the table and he or she couldn't do it with their own partner, I think that's what we bring to the table. I just love the fact that, you know, it's not all about making money, but I just love that you've gone from like zero to 19 million in that short space of time. Are people around you now wanting to invest and to get a piece of the pie? What's (laughs) happening now? Yeah, you know, um, we've been fortunate to receive certain recognitions and accolades. The company was ranked the 18th fastest growing company in the U.S. by Inc. and uh, by Cranes, number three in New York. So certainly that's attracted a lot of attention. It doesn't, you know, the question will always come up. But what we feel is from investors or, or those alike, what we feel is in order for somebody to be the right investor for you, they have to be able to look past that, whatever their previous experience may have been. They have to evaluate the business for what it is and what the roles and the founders are for who they are. And then there are investors who are willing to look past it. And it's equally as important for you to choose the right investors as it is for the investors to choose the right company. And I think founders sometimes are very quick to quote unquote pull the trigger with an investor, but they need to understand that there's genuine fit for the company, the roles, 
and, and all the things in between. So yeah, it's phenomenal kind of what you're doing. So, you know, a huge congratulations because it is, it is immense. With the 3D printing, are you outsourcing that or is that all happening in-house? To date, we do work with a consortium of partners. We yes. have thought about the idea of bringing it in, but ultimately we find that there's certain levels of scale we're able to achieve yes. by working with the right partners and kind of setting up the whole process and making it very cohesive. But the design process and all of those things for 3D modeling all take place uh, with our computer animated software and everything in-house. Yeah, okay. You know, we've touched on the whole kind of roller coaster and this whole kind of, you know, life integration, which I think, I think no longer can we talk about work-life balance because um, it just doesn't exist in my view. And, and that's okay, <laughs> I think. I think what would be, you know, great to understand from you is how do you seek that life integration? What, what, is, what does that look like? And, and would you rate it as the same or better or less than, you know, it was before? So I think you're exactly right. And we're on the same page as you that there's no such thing as a full and finite separation of work and, and life. Uh, it's always integrated, especially now in the digital age where everyone is kind of almost hyper-connected at all times to both parts of life and work. So your mind kind of has to juggle both things at the same time every single day. And the people who get the most out of both work and life are the ones that are able to channel their energies into whichever area they are needed in at that moment. And, um, you know, use all available hours to get the most out of their work and their life. So while we do put in our all, you know, in the weekdays and really just nonstop focus on work and achieving our goals, we do understand the importance of reserving time for family, for our child and for the other pieces of life that are important. At the same time, you know, since we've been working together for so long, we've learned to understand that each one of us has different strengths. So we kind of divide and tackle different parts of both work and life in accordance with that and, you know, work as a team to get everything done together and move forward uh, in the right way. And it's been fulfilling to work that way because, like we mentioned, you know, we're on the same team achieving the same goals together. So the thrill of anything that goes well both in work or in life, you know, we get to experience that together. So that's so much more rewarding than, you know, someone who may not have that in their life. And it also is a good, inspiring point for us to keep reaching higher because we know that when we enjoy the fruits of our labor, it's always together. Mm. And can you switch off? <laughs> um, I don't think we've ever really switched off per se. There's no such thing as a do not disturb button in real life, unfortunately, when it comes to work. But um, you I know, think we've learned to enjoy both mm. parts of life going at full speed and happening at the same time together. We just learned that that's how it is for us and we have to embrace it and love it. And uh, we've done that. And because of that mindset, I think we've been able to do a lot in both aspects of life. Yeah, it's just balance. At the end of the day, for example, even if we take a vacation, it's a slight working vacation, but that's okay. As long as we take those moments to enjoy what's around us, we'll be fine. Mm. Yeah, so you might take it with you, but it's but you're in a beautiful place and, you know, you know, if you enjoy your work and it's your business and it's booming, then um, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it might mean having to work a little bit longer hours than maybe somebody else or devoting some more time to work um, before you go to bed rather than doing something a little more relaxing. But you know what? The thrill of achieving our goals is it trumps everything and ultimately setting up what we're setting up um, in order to move forward in our life. And now that we have a family for, you know, to set up something valuable for our child, that, that means more to us than anything else. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to ask you about your, I'm going to ask you about your sleep. And uh, apparently 68% of entrepreneurs say that they have regular sleep problems. Um, how's your sleep well, we have a 15-month-old daughter, so <laughs> uh, I would attribute my lack of sleep probably more, more to, to her more than to I would to, <laughs> to work. But uh, no, it's actually really interesting. We have a complicated supply chain, yeah. uh, which is global. And yes. global means India, Hong Kong, Belgium, Israel. And so those are odd hours. We have development uh, resources. Our tech team is overseas and works the overnight hours while we work the day hours. So... You know, that's correct. 
we don't have regular sleep. We've gotten very good at waking up and going back to sleep on a whim. But, uh, you know, we're well rested. We just, our bodies adapt. Mm. Okay. And when, what time are you getting up in the morning? And, and is there a morning routine that happens? Are you, and are you both morning people? Or, or 20, uh, morning as well person. as being 24-7? <laughs> Well, I'm a morning person. I love mornings. I'm not a morning person. I don't think I'll ever be able to make myself into one. But uh, like Anoop said, I think I've gotten used to just putting in the hours to for work and life whenever I am active, which maybe might be a little bit later at night or, um, you know, powering through on my commute through through the work that I didn't get to do in the office. So I think we've both adjusted as per our schedules, made time, figured out when to squeeze and work. And most importantly, learned how to be efficient. Um, without that, you know, you can't get anywhere. And uh, having limited time, we're, we've learned how to make the most of every minute. And can you imagine, I mean, we talked about couplepreneurs being stronger together, but can, can you imagine doing this with anybody else? I don't think so. Uh, at least in my world, I think that there's a certain level of trust and uh, that component that was established through our relationship. It would be amazing. I would love to learn this, but I don't know if I could, if I'm there yet, where I could just say I would do this with somebody else. Just because there's a there's a profound level of trust I have in Slisha that may not exist elsewhere. And so, you know, I I love knowing that that it it's her who I trust, or at the end of the day, who's looking for the same things. And ultimately, we're building it together. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think we've gone so far down this road of working together. We've learned the ins and outs of each other's habits, personalities, and skill sets that um, at this point, I think it wouldn't have worked if it was with anyone else, this business. What, what did people think when you were embarking on this together? And, uh, and are you seeing couplepreneur envy? Well, when we, it's actually, I would say yes. When we go to any kind of a networking event or any type of experience where we, within within our network, new people, whoever we talk to, we say that we're a husband and wife co-founding team, the immediate reaction is, oh my God, what's that like? I don't know if I could ever do it. But then when they see us together, they say, that is pretty cool. And they, I can see that people wish they had that or they'll say that, but they're just so afraid of, what it would be like and how that might affect their personal life that they're like, oh, I don't know if I could. So it's it's an interesting dynamic to see that balance. And, and I feel like more people could probably do it. It's just you have to be willing to take that leap of faith. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because, again, there is a myth and a view that people do this at a certain stage in their life or mm-hmm. often people tell me, oh, it must be when they've had kids and the kids have left home and they've got a little bit of money and they want to set up this little sort of side you know, kind of hustle or this brand. And I'm just like, that's so far from the truth. There are people who are 20 through to 70. There are people who have just had children or have no children or um, there's trauma actually is quite a big um, thing coming out. That you know, you're, you're definitely a fascination as a kind of, you know, emerging economic global um, segment that is that is definitely growing. And I think as we live the hundred year life and people are taking their taking their lives more into their own hands, you know, I think the more we can tell more about your stories, the more we can, you know, encourage and show people that, you know, it is possible to do it. Which brings me back to you talked about at the outset when you were proposing and when you were saying to Salisha, you know, we're going to go on this kind of roller coaster and it's going to be incredible. But in terms of that, that journey and that roller coaster, what have been some of the, you know, the really big, you know, what I call sweaty knicker moments where they are the kind of the, oh my God, moments of, you know, what do we do now? There's definitely growing pains in every business. Um, You know, a lot of times what happens with uh, businesses that have a surge of volume and sales in particular times of the year is that as you're going through that, you know, your hope and prayer is that you get an explosion of sales volume and, um, you know, people wanting to buy your product, which is exactly what happened to us one holiday season where, you know, we were overwhelmed with the number of orders that were coming in. And uh, one of the most stressful moments was actually that our payment processor flagged us as a vendor that was risky because of the number and the volume of uh, sales that were coming through. They weren't used to seeing that kind of dollar volume from us, so they immediately kind of put a freeze on the payments that we could receive. 
which, um, you know, it was a, a great problem to have in that, you know, we were getting, uh, you know, this explosion of growth that we wanted. But at the same time, um, dealing with issues like that uh, was very stressful for us. So within a span of 24 hours, we had to turn around and uh, fix that in order to continue basically operating. But that didn't take 24 hours. It took uh, almost a week. And just imagine a situation where you have to deliver for someone's proposal, someone's Christmas, somebody's you know present, anniversary, whatever it is, during that time of the year. And we didn't have the money to pay the vendors. We weren't able to collect the money because it was flagged as risky. And so we had to navigate through this cycle, figure out how to resolve it, get the support of our investors, understand the situation. And Ultimately, you know, it worked out to a happy ending, but uh, that was a moment where, you know, we, we sweat and we sweated a lot. Yeah. And where were you in the journey where you sought um, external funding, you, you, you went out to um, seek venture capital? We started that journey actually back in 2015, where the first half of 2015 was very difficult. The idea of if you build it, they will come is not, unfortunately, the reality. And, you know, we were just learning the concept of acquiring traffic and attracting people and trying to get them to physically visit the website. And that traffic is expensive. It requires a lot of effort and content generation and virality and a variety of other things. And so ultimately, we realized that while we did build something, it wasn't necessarily something that people could find. And that's where we realized what the true commitments of capital were. And we had to figure out how do we find them. And, and the true commitment to, to do what? To, to get them to convert or to get the numbers coming through? Yeah, to physically even start selling. I okay. mean, it took a while for okay. us to even, you know, acquire that first customer. Yeah. Because, and truly acquire that first customer, not a friend or a family member or somebody who, who knew one of us, but really just somebody who had never interacted with our brand. And it was a, you know, a first time buyer. Yeah. Yeah, because um, again, sort of just looking at the research and and you know reading about the fact that ninety percent of research for engagement rings is online, but ten percent only ten percent happens online. So we're still, even though you're in this disruption and you're changing views, I think I think I read it's it, you've got it up to about is it nineteen percent now of people are are now, you know, buying online. Have I got that right? Uh, for engagement rings it's about close to fifteen percent now about are, 15, okay. are transacting online. So we're moving upwards and onwards and it's definitely uh, increasing every year. Yeah, the trend is definitely in our favor. It's the fastest growing segment of the jewelry space. And uh, now the company's actually also made an expansion into a new growth opportunity in lab-created diamonds, which is just also an exploding trend we're seeing. Okay. Wow. What is the plan kind of from here on in? And and when you set out, you know, and you think, oh, what's your five-year plan, um, you know, did you have one and what was it, you know, versus kind of where you are now, because it's just phenomenal, the the rate of growth that you're at. You know, initially it was not about, we didn't really think about growth and and all these things. What we were thinking about is product market fit, customer profile, desirability. We were just trying to understand, is this an experience that people actually want? And are we on the right track here, whatever that track may be? And, and that was the initial experiment. And then as we started thinking more strategically, getting out of just pure execution mode, we started learning that there, was, there were bigger things. There were more opportunities. That the trend was definitely moving in our direction. That we could you know, potentially acquire up to one, two, three, five percent market share. We could build the next billion dollar business potentially that solves this what we consider a billion dollar problem which is that customers have this fear of buying online or in store Mm. and when you said i mean again i think this is quite interesting you know going back to that moment before when you said you know we almost stopped before we started because we realized just um you know you're you're going into a new sector you know an, an existing sector you're disrupting it and there's there's so much to learn and to understand and you mentioned you know just embarking on changing something and an industry where 
you may look online, but you go out onto the street to buy your engagement ring. Did you have to really hold your nerve? Because you also said that it took a long time before... And, and lots of understanding and analysis to, to 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 get that first to understand what was what was happening for that first person to buy online and then the next one and then the next one. So how did that all feel? Sure. So every customer that we acquired, you know, the first one was the hardest, the next one easier. I think we always um, took a customer first approach in terms of refining the on-site offering, product offering, what they want to see from us as a brand. Um, which was actually a decision that led us to do our rebrand late, uh, earlier in 2019, uh, where we changed the name and the URL of the company as well as the look and feel. So that customer-first approach means that we come into work every day looking for ways to make this experience both off-site and online better for the customer. And I think that's really paved the way towards growth and, ex- and success, both in terms of revenue and sales, but also in terms of reputation and the team that we've built around it. What was the reason behind, and I know you've just alluded to it, but moving from for mine to with clarity, obviously when you're kind of, so you know, four years clarity, into it. Mm. Yeah, with clarity was actually, um, you know, something that we came up with to better represent who we are as a brand and what we, what kind of shopping experience we're providing to the customer, which is one that is clear, easy, stress-free, transparent, and also reflects the core, uh, you know, differentiating factors of what makes a diamond a diamond, which is uh, the clarity is one of the f- one main four C's of the diamond main characteristics. So it was a play on words. Um, the look and feel of the site also, we wanted to reflect that, that stress-free, approachable, transparent type of shopping experience that we felt none of our competitors online or offline were giving their customers. And it's been a really great success. We've gotten great reviews from both customers, investors, people within the industry who've loved the name, the look and Mm. feel of the new website. And did you come up with that yourselves or did you put that out to an agency just out of interest? We worked internally as well Mm. as with an agency to come up with this concept. Um, Ultimately though that vision, the feel and the emotion behind what With Clarity is did come from us and our years of experience working with customers across the country. If we look back um, is there any one thing that you would have liked to have known when starting out? I think we would just uh, say uh, taking risks and uh, failing is not necessarily a bad thing. We shouldn't have been scared to, um, you know, dive in, um, do more experiments early on, maybe take more calculated risks in order to move the business further and faster. I think any entrepreneur is scared about doing that in the first place, but the more you can minimize that fear, the more you can move forward aggressively. But, but interestingly, that to to I suppose to know that you know where you are now and where you were, it sounds like there was some fear to begin with. Yeah, I think uh, fear kind of comes with the responsibility of of being an entrepreneur, and it's not a bad thing to be fearful. Fear is what makes you calculate risk, but oh, because it's it's fear of failure, fear of miscalculation, and fear of taking the wrong risks. But it's important to take risks. And I think that if we took even more early on, maybe we would make even better decisions. We've learned a lot from our mistakes. And, you know, the idea is make mistakes just to make a few more good decisions than bad ones. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And what piece of advice would you give to um, an aspiring couplepreneur? So in terms of couples that are looking to work together, I would say people um, should always go in with the mindset of understanding that while viewpoints may differ and um, you know, day-to-day interpretations of what's happening and how to progress will differ, it's always important to remember that in the long term, your goals are aligned. You're on the same team pulling together. So when challenges come at you, don't, um, don't get upset with each other, but learn how to tackle those um, and use your individual strengths to lift both each other up and the business up. And as long as you keep your eye on the fact that the person you're working with is valuable in terms of who they are, what they bring to the table, you'll never regret your decision and you'll never um, feel stressed about the choice you made to work together. And the second piece of advice is always make sure, um, while it's difficult to separate personal and professional, you know, try not to bring the stresses of the work place or the, uh, the personal space into one another. Uh, try to keep those a little bit separate in terms of um, the emotions you feel in both. Focus on the practicalities, focus on what needs to get done. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is always respect one another, 
understand that even though you're married, it's very easy to be very colloquial, casual uh, with your significant other. But uh, you're also professionally involved. And so that respect is very, very important. Yeah. And how romantic is it? I have to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the workplace isn't. <laughs> well, uh, Slisha and I even sit kind of at separate pods just to uh, ensure that we're with different teams, making sure we're, we're spending our time, you know, actually a little bit away from one another, just so that yeah. uh, we, can, we can separate that a little bit, show the, the team itself that the commitment is to, to each other, to everybody, not just to, to one another. And is there any kind of single business book or person or podcast um, that have helped you to get you to where you are or have inspired you along the way? Um, I think we love to hear other people's stories and gain inspiration from um, people who may be in different industries or life stages, ages, whatever you may have, um, and learn about how they built their businesses and use that inspiration to fuel our own. Um, So one podcast that we actually loved listening to in the very beginning, even at the office, was How I Built This, uh, which is a story of, you know, entrepreneurial journeys that have really become very fruitful for the people who are starting those businesses. Um, And it was fascinating and exciting to learn about even many entrepreneurs that worked as couples uh, to build up businesses. Many of those stories are husband and wife teams. So that was especially interesting for us. Okay, brilliant. Okay, and uh, just as we close, um, I have to ask you kind of what does the future hold with Clarity? When are you coming to London? And um, <laughs> what, what does global domination and uh, disruption look like? Well, you know, I think for us, it's very important to become a lifetime jeweler. And so ultimately, mm-hmm. as we navigate the engagement category, uh, we're, we're just starting to get our feet wet. We're exploring other types of experiences like lab-created diamonds, gemstone rings, uh, alternative rings that work for different types of couples. And so we want to become a, a brand, a household name in the engagement space before we become that lifetime jeweler. So we're taking step by step. And, and I think it's important to take it slow from that perspective where, you know, really establish yourself as somebody who people know you by. And then, ultimately, you're right, we definitely do have plans to think about uh, offering these, this experience, this brand into other markets, other uh, global locations. I don't think we're there yet. We really want to perfect the experience and understand uh, how it works, uh, and that might take a little time. But then, ultimately, we, we do want to bring that experience across the world. Because mm, it's something that will you know, travel well, won't it? You're in a marketplace. Potentially, travel, yeah. Travels, you, know, you know, in terms of... But, but every in, culture is different. Yeah, and I think that yeah. that's something mm-hmm. that we want to make sure we, you know, establish, uh, mm. understand, uh, identify with, and then ultimately we can bring that experience the best way it can be mm. brought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, brilliant. Well, that has been totally fascinating. So thank you so much for kind of being so open and sharing kind of your very honest, real and raw story of just the most kind of phenomenal growth. And we wish you very well. An incredible story of setting out together and just such immense growth and learnings from Slisha and Anna there. And uh, a true couplepreneur business to watch indeed. And in our next and final episode in this series, we get to meet Gillian Lavender and Michael Miller from the London Meditation Centre and the New York Meditation Centre. And we hear about their journey and just why it's so personally fulfilling. And also the real positive effect that Vedic meditation is bringing to so many people and just how they are stronger together. Coming soon on Between the Spreadsheets. Thank you.